Welcome to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast, where we embrace a bold change in the way that we plan for and respond to sudden cardiac arrest in the pursuit of saving more lives. And now your host, Joe Powell and Billy Croft. All right, we're back. This is ACR Moonshot Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Croft, with my uh, wonderful host, Mr. Joe Powell. How are you, buddy? Good, good. I like wonderful, wonderful, fantastic. Keep that up. I appreciate it. Where, 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 Billy, where in the world are you? This is like, where's Waldo every time we talk, but where are you now? I should be saying that about you, man. You're, you're everywhere. <laughs> I, I, you know, I get to go out of, you know, every, you know, once a month, but um, yeah, I'm in uh, Colleen, Texas, Colleen, Texas, doing an Colleen, Texas. Yep. Yep. Man, fantastic. Man, how's the weather in Colleen? Well, um, it was a little shocking. At nine o'clock last night, it was 106 degrees. Oh, oh my gosh! That is sad. That's warm. That's warm. It was Welcome very warm. Clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like walking into a sauna every time you walk outside. So um, pretty crazy. But uh, we're here with uh, you know Chief Kabinsky, who is obviously he was uh, in Naperville, and um, he had us come out, and um, you know we had a great turnout today, about um, 40 people today. Nice. Fantastic. Um, and looks like we got another 40, you know, both days. So, um, very good stuff. And, you know, Colleen's doing some great things. So happy to be here. That's, that's exciting. That is exciting stuff. Uh, any, any new news from you, man? Any, anything, uh, you've been doing? No, or? no, just, uh, just trying to keep up the, the, the corporate side of the business and make sure we're all doing everything right. And so we can uh, continue to push this forward and, uh, hit our moonshot. Yeah, most definitely. Um, we can talk about ACR. We, we became a non-for-profit, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So we just recently incorporated as a, uh, a not-for-profit California corporation. So that's exciting. And uh, it's going to help us move, uh, move things forward. So yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's really great. And uh, having you at the helm, you know, is, uh, is awesome. And, you know, I'm very humbled uh, to be a part of this and uh, be on the board of directors and um, you know, our ultimate goal is to save more lives, neurologically intact survival from cardiac arrest. And um, I, I am just very proud and, and, and humbled to be a part of this. Uh, we're, well, we're obviously excited to have you. And, uh, you know, Naperville Fires uh, is uh, very privileged to have you on board and we're, we're privileged to have you on board and uh, we're all gonna move this forward together. Yeah, and uh, you know, here's some other good news. Um, we've been invited down to EMS World to do yep. two podcasts yep. down down there in New Orleans, so uh, that's that's really exciting, really exciting for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do uh, two live podcasts. We're gonna have some exciting guests on, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Yeah, man, I can't wait. So, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about you know our three core things that we look at for. Um, uh, an ACR agency, you know, optimizing the patient, optimizing the system and optimizing the community. And, you know, all three of those are very, very important. But if we don't optimize the community properly and use them as an ally, we're behind the eight ball. And we got a really great guest here today. So, so wait a minute, back up for a second. It, it, it only really starts when, when, when I show up, right? When, when the paramedics, the firefighter paramedics, the EMTs, when they show up, that's when the call starts. There's nothing before that, correct? 
Well, Hollywood would like to tell us that, but <laughs> you know, the entertainment <laughs> business. But um, you know, if we don't have uh, brave men and women out there, bystanders who are noticing yeah. cardiac arrest and doing something about it, um, it's going to be really hard for us when we show up to to make a difference for those patients. So. Um, we, we need that bridge, right? We need that bridge just to buy us a little bit of time we, without that bridge. We can't get there. Right. You're, you're exactly right. So, you know, our next guest, um, is really, really important, um, in, in doing that and optimizing the community. And he's done some great things and, uh, we're going to invite him on. Let's do it. Chief. How are you? Good. Thank you guys for the invitation. Um, really, uh, my pleasure to be with you today. So why don't you tell our um, our audience who you are and uh, where you came from and you know all that fun stuff? Sure, I'm Richard Price. I'm the I'm the founder and president of the Pulse Point Foundation. Uh, we too are a 501c3 based in California, about 13 years old now, and we got started in a fire department. So I was the fire chief of San Ramon Valley Fire in Northern California. Um, you know, that's my background is fire service. I spent 33 years in the fire service, um, came up through the ranks and kind of finished my career in San Ramon. And um, San Ramon was the, the first agency to deploy Pulse Point and ultimately was the agency that formed the foundation to help other agencies, um, you know, get the benefits from it that, that they were seeing. Oh, that's that's awesome. So, I mean, how did it start? I mean, did you have a dream? Did you fall down a well and get hit in the head? Or, you know, <laughs> what was it, man? What was it? Yeah, you know, I haven't told that story for a while. So I, I was actually, you know, on duty uh, as the, you know, as the chief in uniform having lunch and, you know, heard that siren in the distance and wondered where the crews were going. And, you know, medical calls happen up and down the district all day long. So it wasn't, wasn't something that I was alerted to, but uh, they were on their way to a medical call. And, you know, that siren grew louder, they got closer, and then they ended up turning into the parking lot of this, uh, this, you know, strip mall that I was eating at and pulled up right in front of the restaurant that I was at. And it's when I learned that somebody right next door, um, you know, was unconscious, unresponsive, and was probably, you know, through the wall, maybe 15, 20 feet away from me. And I was unaware of it. And, you know, when that crew pulled up, and I'm sitting there, you know, you know, in uniform, wondering, uh, okay, what are those guys doing here? Go out, learn that, you know, AD in my car, career in the fire service. Um, it's a pretty, pretty traumatic thing for, for a fire chief to to experience. And we, San Ramon is an agency that was doing everything right. You know, we, um, you know, we were transport ALS, you know, highly trained, you know, medics, um, you know, early pit crew adopters, had our own dispatch center, you know, ACE accredited center, telephone, you know, telecommunicator CPR. We were training 10% of our community um, to meet uh, heart safe community standards. We were placing AEDs throughout our community. I was out there talking about it at all the service groups, you know, promoting this, um, you know, bystander CPR, citizen involvement was something that was front, uh, front and center for us, top of mind to us. And to have this event happen, 
it just kind of showed this big gap in our system that even though we had done all these things, you could be very close to an event um, and not be aware of it. And that was the original thought was, could we notify people who were near cardiac arrest? You know, could we use their phone, which was essentially a radio, um, you know, to, you know, we knew in the dispatch center where the cardiac arrest was, could we tell where somebody who was CPR trained, we were originally thinking, you know, off-duty professionals, where their phones were, could we mirror these? This was pretty early. This was like iPhone, you know, iOS 2, iOS 3 kind of time frame. Push notifications were brand new. Um, even the the app store was, you know, that wasn't in iOS 1. This was pretty early. And so there was this idea that maybe we could bring these pieces together. Um, but that was the original idea uh, and the original incident that uh, sort of caused me to say, hey, maybe we could take this one step further and, um, you know, and get people who are, you know, who are close by, but far enough away that they're not aware of the event um, to, to bring them in and to bring maybe more responders in and to bring maybe higher qualified responders in. Um, so that was, the, that was the original vision and where the idea came from. So, Chief, when uh, about what year was this? Can you tell me? So that was about, um, let's see, it was 13 years ago. So 2010-ish, 2011. Took us okay, about okay. a year before we sort of proved that uh, that it was possible, you know, which was quite, quite a journey, right? You don't have iOS developers on your fire department staff. So <laughs> it was not much more than an idea um, and you know, we had some pieces and some expertise, but then, you know, half of the equation we didn't have, we didn't have the skill sets, um, but we knew what was possible. But that, but that was a reach at that time, right? That was a, a reach to say, hey, I think, you know, I can see where you might say to yourself, hey, um, you know, we might be able to get to, to contact other folks on our department or maybe even off-duty folks that have, you know, but, but it was a pretty big reach to say, I think we can, we can get a hold of CPR trained folks that don't work for the department or, and that, that might be much closer and help us bridge that gap. That was, that was a huge, at least, at least to me, when I think about it, you know, if, it, if I was sitting there, I'm not sure I would have said, Hey, I think there's a possibility we can make this happen. Yeah. So I, I had a, a pretty strong technical background and I was pretty comfortable that maybe we were, you know, right on the cusp of the technology where the phones knew where they were at. And, um, you know, it was a stretch for sure, but it was right at that right time. And I think, you know, a lot of times with, with innovation and stuff, it's like you can do certain things at certain times. Right. And that, and we were right on the edge of that, the phone just getting push notifications. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one thing for your device to know where it's at. It's another thing to remotely, tell somebody else or ascertain, you know, where that phone is at. And so it was a little bit of a jump, um, but I, I felt it was possible. And I remember early on as the team was working on this, it was, is it possible, right? Can, can you bring the pieces together? Just that first sort of hello world, you put an event somewhere and you could ascertain that the phone was nearby and, and all that. So 
it was about a year of uh, of trial and error and bringing the right people together. It was a pretty exciting time. You know, when you're involved in a project, you don't get that many in your career where you're you're doing something that, you know, you're creating something that doesn't exist, right? Out of right, thin right. air that you know could make a big difference, but maybe you're just too early um, to do it. It was a very exciting time. Well, and, and even when you talk about, well, it took about a year, that seems like a really really short cycle time or development time, doesn't it? It seemed like, wow, you got that, you got that move forward in a year. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. The, the idea was to prove it was possible and then scale from there, then bring uh, okay. in. So it was a year to, um, you know, to say, okay, yeah, we can make this work. And, and then to actually, you know, build an app, that's, you know, store quality that we could actually, you know, distribute to our residents. And we served about 180,000 people or something. And, Uh and we knew that we were training a lot of people in CPR. We had a lot of ADs out there. So the idea was twofold, you know, we'll notify those, those people that were training and we'll tell them where the nearby AEDs are. Those were the two ideas uh, that, that were part of that. Um, And, and we were, we were able to do it and, and then had some early success. You know, one of our very first calls um, where we activated, it was like on a weekend morning at a Pete's Coffee. And when the crew pulled up, they had like eight people that had come and two people doing CPR and multiple people clapping, you know, 100 beats a minute, encouraging the other responders. And it was like this remarkable, you know, thing to come to come upon. And you know, there was a lot of doubt, like with any new idea, you know, a lot of yeah. concerns over would people download the app? Would they respond? Um, you know, and everything to people will be fighting over who gets to use the AEDs. You know, it, it's like there's a big range um, and, you know, it would generate calls to the dispatch center. It was, you know, and you just don't know. Um, and and I had to go to I served multiple city councils and sort of had to go around and say, hey, we want to. We want to essentially dispatch our citizens to major medical emergencies, these cardiac arrest events. And, you know, it was a little bit of a tough sell. Not not everybody. I used a lot of the goodwill that I had built up over the years with, um, okay, you know, we'll trust you on this. And wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And you got to use some of your uh, political poker chips, right? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, it was like, you know, I had a lot of confidence in it, but there was things, you know, you, you just don't know until you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt. So it's it's funny. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you guys talk, and I just got a notification on my my iWatch here that uh, you know I have a traffic collision in Naperville at uh, you know Ogden and, and Fort Hill, <laughs> and I just giggled to myself <laughs> because you know this Richard, this is this is evolved, right? I mean, it's totally evolved over a period of time, and um, you know I love this app because I get the dispatch before my dispatch can dispatch me, which is amazing. You know, just, just to give you one stat, like, I mean, I'll kind of talk to you about why we, why we send traffic alerts and things like that. But, you know, we have, we have stats on the webpage. So you can always go to pulsepoint.org slash stats and kind of see a lot of our system-wide numbers. But, you know, yesterday, our, our agencies, we're in nearly 5,000 communities now, they reported more than 850 cardiac arrests to us asking for nearby assistance. 850, I mean, we've come a long way uh, since San Ramon. And yesterday, 
um, I think we sent nearly 500 people to those events. So we definitely are doing this at, at scale now. And, you know, every day see people responding and trying to, to help. Now, not all of those turn out to be cardiac arrests, not every event um, do we get somebody there. We still have challenges in, in certain you know areas, especially residential cardiac arrest. There's still problems to solve here, but we definitely are doing this at, at scale um, and, and have built that network over, over the last 13 years. Yeah, and I like um, that you brought up the residential part because you know, I, I think you're trying to solve that with the verified responder, right? If, if uh, can, you, can you explain that and what that's all about? Yeah, so so we have um, we have four types of responders now. So we we are, are expanding that. So originally we started Pulse Point. Originally it was public cardiac arrests, um, and that was um, that was considered you know safe. Don't send someone you know to somebody's home. But if the cardiac arrest is happening at work, or at Target, in a restaurant, in a public place, there's people around. These people aren't alone. Somebody's called 911, public places is a safe place. So we started there and just sort of evaluated, um, you know, what, what was going to go wrong, what could go wrong. Um, but then we added professional responders primarily to address residential response. So if you were, you know, an off-duty Naperville, Naperville firefighter sending you to someone's home, you know, you might have been there, you know, the day before if you were on duty it was considered, okay, this is a safe way to start testing residential response. Um, so we have this professional responder where the agency um, registers you, primarily their employees. Um, and we do other things to encourage professional responders to respond by giving them you know, on duty capabilities, more information, you know, routing to incidents, you know, professional map layers, things like that. Lots of professional features because we know those are the best responders, really, those professional responders off duty um, and then responding to their own neighborhoods and things. That, that model actually works good, except it's hard to scale because you only have so many off-duty firefighters in a community. They're not living in every part of the community. The numbers are relatively small. Um, so we added a third type of responder, uh, which is a um, which is a registered CPR responder. And these could be hospital staff, lifeguards, um, anybody who the community trusted for response to try to grow those numbers. Um, and then we've recently added an AED responder. And what an AED responder is, is they're fixed location responders. So we can alert anyone who owns an AED of cardiac arrest occurring around the AED. So if you have an AED in your home, you can say, I want to be alerted if there's a cardiac arrest near me. And we so we alert AED responsible parties. So those are the four types of responders. But those last three are really trying to push into, into the residential area. Communities that are doing a good job, we might activate on 10 out of 10 public cardiac arrests. A lot of responders, millions of responders now. Public areas, we can have very high percentage of activations. But in residential areas, that number drops off considerably. So this is an area 
where we know most of the cardiac arrests are there. Um, and, and it's funny that, you know, 13 years ago, this was kind of a big problem to solve and it was novel. Today, we can activate reliably 100% of the time. Every cardiac arrest, if there's somebody nearby, we can activate them. It's like, it's routine now. There's like no unknowns there. It's just trying to get the number of responders, the density of responders, so when there's cardiac arrest, you have somebody nearby. And that's what we're, that's why we're really pushing into sort of residential strategies. Um, and and that, that's been challenging. It's no longer the technology of, of like pulse point. It's how do you get that density into residential areas and get enough people that you trust to do that response. So then, you know, there's, so there's a lot of, lot of ideas and, and um, you know, work being done in that area to take the, to take the technology into residential areas and into all residential areas, not just gated communities where you can have, mm-hmm. you know, the security staff, for example, or, you know, there's, you know, where all the doctors live, right? They're the registered responders. So they're trying to do this uh, across the entire community. It, it takes, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of thinking. Is that a pretty um, hefty process to get, you know, someone verified and, you know, cause they're responding to people's homes. I, you know, I can see, you know, how that could be kind of weird, right? You know? Right, right. So it's, it's one of the friction points because agencies are involved. So if it's their employees, it's pretty easy. That, that part works. They register all their employees. The employees want to be registered because they get a whole bunch of additional capabilities. They're known, trusted, well-qualified agencies have no problems with, with that. But when you, when you go the next step to these registered CPR responders, the hospital staffs, the CERT members, the, you know, the lifeguards that are trained by the park district, like those, those are harder because it takes the agency to be involved and to register these people. And um, so it's, it's, it's one of the challenges in in that residential area that um, it takes work. It takes management of that registry because you're only sending trusted individuals. Chief, do you, do you find any, have you had any um, negative incidents or incidents where, um, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, that I, I understand when you say that, so there's a friction point there. Initially, you know, when you first start talking about sending people into residential homes, have you had anything that uh, that, is, that has caused some concerns or uh, has that been relatively low? Yeah, we haven't had any uh, in uh-huh. public places or residential places. So we know that the incidents, I mean, I always knock on word when I, when, when <laughs> I say that because I, I think about it, but so far we haven't had it. We know the incidents will be very low. Uh, and in other countries, other systems, other pulse point like systems, Netherlands and things, they just, they activate everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't... Um, um, but in the United States, we still have hesitation in doing that. And we certainly don't want something to go wrong. Sure. Um, so we're careful. And, you know, we have a board of directors that's, you know, very conservative, very cautious. And um, some people will argue, you know, that, hey, we should do more residential response. Um, so we do, we, we are expanding with the AED alerts. We're, we're trying to, you know, with that, if you own an AED, uh, the and it's in the registry, so it's one that we're doing a lot of work, registry work. We haven't talked about it yet, but we're if you have an AED in the registry, that AED has to be approved by the 
you know, public safety, local public safety, or by EMS authority. And then you can then say, send me alerts for that AED. So it's, it's less friction because the AED gets registered. You can be alerted to that and you can share that other people, other people in your household, your neighbors, you as the registered, uh, as the, uh, as a responsible party for that AED, you can allow other people to be alerted to the, the nearby need. So that one, we're trying to lower the threshold, take the load off of the local agencies to, to try to grow that residential response. People get an AED, have it in their home, and then they can be alerted to their neighbors. It's it's an, a model that we're pretty excited about um, that because of the amount of work it takes for the agencies, we're trying to eliminate that. Right, right. That's exciting. That's exciting stuff. So it, yeah, I, I think that you take any AED and you can be alerted to a nearby, uh, you know, cardiac arrest. That has a lot of potential. So we've learned and adjusted, and hopefully we'll have some success there. So um, just let me get this straight. If I if I was um, a layperson, you know, living in my community and I had an AED, I can go right to your website and register myself, or do I have to go through my agency to do that? So you can register that AD. So say you buy an AD, you have it in your home. You can register that um, just by going to ad.new would be one way to register it. You could download the PulsePoint AD app. You could register it there. Um, and once it's registered, it's it's in a pending state. The agency has to approve it okay. because we also will recommend that AED to the dispatchers. So we're doing a lot of work around making sure that dispatchers know where AEDs are located during cardiac arrest call processing. So similar to TCPR, we reference that as TAED, and we're built into all the standard protocols that dispatcher centers use. So, you know, the ProQAs and Intellicom and Total Response, APCO, those kinds of things. Read the registry and know where those AEDs are located. And during protocols that may need an AED, they're able to get the AD locations uh, and pass those on to the callers, CAD integration, things like that. So we use it for that. And at the same time, if you say also alert me, um, we will send you alert and alert that that AED is needed if it's in the radius around your home. And all the agency needs to do is just authorize that AED to be in the registry. So usually they'll verify that you know, that AED it does exist and that your registration is valid. But once it's a valid AED in the registry, then you can set up alerts for yourself um, and other people that might have access to that AED, you can approve as the responsible party. Um, so it does take a little bit of agency involvement to approve it, but agencies have been pretty good about that because they, they want to make sure that the dispatchers know where AEDs are located. Uh, and that's kind of a new trend that uh, our foundation fully funds that. We pay all costs associated with that. So agencies can implement it, uh, the emergency AED registry and, and mobilize it um, at, at no cost um, and make sure that their dispatchers know where they are and allow the community to be notified if their AED is needed. Yeah, it's that, a big initiative we have. So we've been talking about the Pulsepoint Respond app, but this is the emergency AD registry, right. which is also a big initiative of our foundation. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of different dispatch software out there. You know, everybody uses something different from first due to, 
you know, firehouse to, you know, whatever, you know, how, how does that integrate? How does Pulse Point integrate into the dispatch? So they know that, you know, this is, this is where the AED is at. And, you know, I can tell that person run across the, the street to the quickie mart and get that AED without going through, Hey, I got to open up my Pulse Point app and, you know, you know, right, all that stuff. Right. So, so what we've done is we've integrated with all the pre-arrival um, software, you know, the, the EMD pre-arrival software. There's, there's three major ones. So you have Paramount from Priority Dispatch, ProQA uh, on the EMD side, and then you have APCO in telecom, and you have PowerPhone uh, total response. Those are the three primary pieces of software that dispatchers, call takers use for pre-arrival instructions. Um, so those other examples, like the first dues, the firehouse, those are like records management, right, right. pre-plans, field stuff in the dispatch center, what the dispatchers are looking for, are looking at their screens are primarily those three. Okay. Now there are some others and we integrate with those as well, like a, like a rapid deploy tactical map. So there are some other integrations, but our goal is to make sure that the dispatchers do not have to take their eyes off of the screens they're normally on. So if you're in ProQA and you're in a, you know, uh, a nine series protocol and it's, you know, as you're going through that protocol, it might, it would normally ask you a question like you would ask the caller, is there an AD nearby? But with the integration, they'll say there are three nearby AEDs. Can nice. you send somebody to the customer? It's, it's right in the protocol. It's built by that, their developers with their screens, you know, it's done by the academy, when to recommend it, when not, how far away it can be. The academy makes all those decisions. We simply provide an API to the to the registry and have all the strategies to build and maintain the registries that we provide to the agencies. But that's where the integration happens. So we fund those integrations and there's you don't have to even no pulse point or, or look at a pulse point screen or anything like that. You stay in the software you're in and you stay in your workflow that you're in. Um, and th that's how it's done. They don't even know technically that they're getting the AEDs from pulse point. Yeah, that, that, that is amazing. Um, there's so much to think about <laughs> and I'm sure it, it makes my head hurt just, you know, listening to you. <laughs> about all the things you have to think about and how does it going to work with this? And, you know, how do we get the right people there? And um, just amazing, amazing that you came up with this, this idea um, all in an effort to help people. It's, it's just, what do you think, Joe, man? It's just mind boggling. Uh, yeah. It's a, I couldn't even imagine all of the tech, the technical side of the whole process and how that all comes together, but uh, it is a, it is a godsend, right? We're forever going to hit our moonshot, right? These things have to these things have to work. We have to have bystander CPR. We have to have early AED uh, implementation, and you know, for, if we're going to get there, right? This this this, this program's got to work. Yeah, um, you know, Chief. Um, you know, a couple things. What was? How did you feel when it first launched? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, people talk about like they see their book on Amazon or, you know, like those kind of feelings that you've done a lot of work and then you, you sort of see it in the wild. It's real. Right. And for me, it was 
it's in the app store, right? You could, it, like, I remember that day that the app was in the app store and people could actually, you know, download it and, and use it. So there, so that, that's a pretty special time. Like the first time, you know, you, you, you finally have built it. it. That's a long road for us to like get to that point, but that was like a pretty special feeling. And then, like the first responses, I would drive to them myself. Like I'd see the app was activated. I'd drive there to see what happened. I'd go to everyone, you know, and and sort of like be in the app aftermath of the call and like talk to people. And, you know, bystanders, like those crews, they come in and they treat that patient and they're gone. And those bystanders are just like, you know, spinning, right? They're like bewildered, you know, about what happened. Um, you know, the whole the whole bystander part of it. Uh, and, and then to say, Hey, what happened? And like, they want to tell their story and, mm. you know, where they were and what happened. And, um, like, that's like a whole conversation, right? Bystanders and, and, you know, um, they don't get a lot of attention. Right. So, so I enjoyed yeah, yeah. it. The scenes and, and just sort of seeing the, the app activated was pretty exciting. But when the first time that a life was saved, um, mm. I remember that and I remember calling everybody and, and saying, Hey, it, it worked, you know? Um, and it was an off duty firefighter at the gym, got activated for a guy in the parking lot, went outside and security guard had found him and he was down and the firefighter, you know, jumped off the treadmill and ran outside and did CPR. And, and then the guy survived. And, uh, I actually, it was in, uh, was in um, Oregon. I flew up there, saw the guy in his hospital bed, talked to him, met the firefighter. It was, it's pretty special, you know? Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of Pulse Point was written, especially early on by volunteers, right? We didn't, the foundation used volunteers. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot of tech workers in the Bay Area were in the San Francisco Bay Area. And, you know, these were guys that were engineers by day. And, you know, they would organize like, you know, things, corporate social responsibility things, they'd go to the food bank and work the food bank or they'd pick fruit or they'd do things. And we came along and said, hey, we could use some engineering help to build this life-saving app. And we got all these volunteers that would take their engineering skills to build the app. And, you know, they were working at, you know, companies writing finance software or, you know, and and they had a chance to sort of work on Pulse Point and make Pulse Point what it was. And we still have a lot of volunteers uh, today. And it's really what made Pulse Point possible. There wasn't really much revenue in the beginning. And it was these highly skilled engineers that were willing to donate their time, you know, to sort of realize this. And 13 years later, we still have like a deep bench of volunteer engineers that might just come in for a particular project or particular problem you know it'd be security guys or database guy or they might come in and then you know they're out but they've all sort of touched this project many many of them have that, made it that's, possible that's a is very wonderful. interesting model yeah that's that's very wonderful you know um in in acr agencies you know particularly mine and, and i know joe did this also um you know it was so rare for us to um you know, see a life saved, you know, for, for many reasons. Right. Um, and when we converted over to ACR and we started focusing on optimizing the patient and the system in the community, um, we saw a huge uptick in, you know, survival from cardiac arrest. And we celebrated that, 
because it's very, very important. And you were kind of talking about, you know, these bystanders who you're asking to, you know, respond, you know, to a cardiac arrest and do CPR on someone they, they don't know. Okay. And I'm sure there's been many success stories. How does Pulse Point celebrate those people? Yeah, so we we do um, a lot to um, assist the agencies. So because we're a small team and uh, our implementations are so broad, we have always tried to build models and tools to help agencies do what they need to do. Um, everything from how to announce Pulse Point to an agency, um, you know, so people are aware of it and how to have the community help build the AED registry and, and surveil the AED registry and to celebrate successes. So we provide templates for a lot of that thing, a lot of those things. We provide survivor coins, responder coins, um, a lot of like we do a lot of the prep work so that an agency uh, can sort of have a model to follow and have all the tools that they need. Uh, and that's what we've always, we've always done. We, we have all the, uh, you know, all the special days and weeks, the, the, uh, you know, CPR AED awareness and heart month awareness and all those things. We have big toolkits to help agencies maximize their messaging to their communities um, around those and around survivor events. We, we do the same, same kind of things. Um, you know, we have a newsletter going out, this week, or is it's like it's all the saves from last month, and I've been seeing those. I think it has like eight saves from last month, and it it tells the story and what happened, and and they're all like crazy stories. A firefighter responded on his neighbor, you know. Um, I mean, they're they're just these these fascinating stories that that um, that when you hear people tell these stories, and and it's it's very interesting when when. Firefighters respond off duty. That experience to them is very different than when they respond on duty. You know, when you're you're responding on the on the ambulance and you're in uniform and your crew is with you, you have all your equipment with you. And um, compare that to you know you're in your shorts and a t-shirt and you mm -hmm. respond and your son who's an EMT student he goes with you and it's your neighbor and your wife comes along and is comforting the wife and and it's like the whole experience is not like any response that you've had in your career and it affects them much deeper and they all tell similar stories that I've been to so many of these calls it was nothing like that um and uh and I sort of get chills, like think about it. I had so many people tell me these stories and it's, it's, it's a very meaningful event to these responders um, to, to assist in this way. And it, it affects them different than they expect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never, I never really thought about it. I, you know, Billy, I, I never thought I, you know, I think we've all, we've all run some calls off duty, but I, I never really thought about the difference between running that call off duty or on duty and, and, and how that might affect uh, the different responders. Interesting thought chief. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. It'd be interesting, you know, sometime for you guys to just interview some of the responders. Um, yeah. You know, some of the firefighters that have done this and, and have them tell their stories, like they're pretty special. Yeah. We would love that. We would love that. Um, so if, if, if there's agencies out there, um, you know, we have 
many different types, right? From big urban to, to rural, you know, how do they get involved in Pulse Point? How, what's, what's the process? Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, some easy starts. Like, um, I mean, we're good at doing this, you know, if an agency reaches out to us, you know, they can send us, you can go to pulsepoint.org or send us a note at info at pulsepoint.org. Um, we'll sort of show them all their options of what they can do. Um, one of the easiest ways to get started doesn't cost anything and it can make a big impact is start building your AED registry. So we provide, you know, all these tools and support and, you know, interfaces for you to build a registry, know where your AEDs are. Like agencies have done a pretty good job of talking about AEDs, getting them in their community, but not really operationalizing them. So take, take that inventory of AEDs, get it in a registry and have the dispatchers know where they are. Um, you know, so when they're processing a call, they can they can be aware of those. Because when a dispatcher is saying, you think about years ago, you would just say, you wouldn't give CPR instructions. The dispatchers would say, hey, cruiser in route, you know, they're, they'll be there right. soon or whatever. And it's kind of crazy, right? They weren't giving CPR instructions. That seems like ancient now, right? but that's what they did. I think about AEDs the same way. They'll say, is there an AED nearby? And they're like, I don't know, dispatchers, I don't know. So like the AEDs are there, we've worked, they've been around forever, we know they're life-saving, but that the dispatchers don't have the ability to say, hey, there's an AED next door. Could you send someone you know, to the gym to pick it up, bring it back? That, that seems like a miss to me. So having a registry of AEDs, having the dispatchers know where they are, that's free top to bottom and and I think could make a difference. That's a good place to start because when you when you go further and you implement um, Pulse Point Respond, it takes an interface to CAD that does have costs associated with it. It's the next step. But when you do that, you have to know where your AEDs are to really maximize yeah, yeah. Pulse Point. So that could be your, your second step to do that. And we're very experienced at that and we can get agencies through that. And that gives you the ability to notify people who are CPR trained when they're near an event um, and not just be dealing with the caller. Uh, it also allows you to notify those AED owners when there's a cardiac arrest nearby. Um, so you can do it in a sequence. Um, we implement at the dispatch level in the communication center. So no matter how many agencies are in that dispatch center, you're all gonna be able to have these capabilities. Um, it's not agency by agency. Um, so it's pretty efficient in that regard. And we subsidize everything. We we do everything we can to make it possible for agencies to implement. So I would say if, if any of this sounds interesting, reach out to us. We'll get you started at the appropriate you know place and we'll have you making a difference in short order. That, that's great. Wonderful. Fan, fantastic. Billy, can we, uh, and I don't, I, I, I should never ask a question I don't have an answer to, but um, can we link um, to, to Pulse Point or to any of these other, uh, uh, you know, um, entry points, uh, AED.new or any of that stuff? Can we link it in the show notes? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, we can okay, we'll okay. get all that stuff. We'll, we'll put links directly to Pulse Point to where they can get all the information and, you know, we'll get some uh, nice nice info for the, for the chief here and, you know, we'll write it up real good for him. All right. For all sure. right. Cool, Thank cool. you guys. Thank you guys. What and a pleasure that, uh, talking to you guys. Yeah. I like to be uh, in a conversation with people who really are trying to make a difference because I mean, in any of these agencies, it just, it takes a champion, right? It takes somebody 
You guys have seen this, I'm sure, in all the systems. The systems that are good have some champion that made it important, you know, yeah. that 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 pushed the message along and and fought the battles to to get it front and center, um, and sort of make it a legacy of your agency. Yes, and um, you are one of those champions, Chief, and um, we appreciate you. And there's 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 so many people out there that you've given one more day you know, with their loved ones and uh, holidays and by developing this app so we can get people to do the right thing. So um, I applaud you for that. And and everybody that's involved with Pulse Point, I know it's just not you. I, it takes a team, yeah. a, a village. Um, but what you're doing is, is uh, you know, it, it, it uh, puts, uh, <laughs> makes me feel good about humanity again. So um, uh, I applaud you, sir. Hey, well, thank you both. It's been a, been a pleasure, and uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths again. Yeah, Joe, you Absolutely. got anything to add before we leave? Well, yeah, sir. Uh, just, uh, your Chief, if uh, if we have some follow-up, um, or uh, would you be uh, interested in coming back on and we could do a, a part two at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe when we do that, we'll... Uh, you know, we can we can think about maybe bring some responders on, bring some survivors oh, yeah. okay. on, and, uh, you know, definitely. You know, I'd love to... I'd love to be, you know, part of that moonshot. You know, I want to, I want to be part of the equation that gets us there. Well, you are, yeah, you are. You're definitely absolutely, are. absolutely. <laughs> well, well, again, thank you so much for being on with us. And um, again, please uh, subscribe to our our, our podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, you know, reach out to to Joe or me. Our contact information is always in the show notes. And if you want to hear something or you have questions about. Um, any of this podcast or any of our other podcasts, uh, please reach out to us. So uh, uh, what do we always say, Joe? What do you always say? And what do I always say? Better tomorrow, right? Better tomorrow, absolutely. Let's be better tomorrow. (laughs) We're getting better tomorrow. (laughs) All right, Joe. Yeah, I I look forward to listening to it and uh, spreading the word. Thank you, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you, Chief. This podcast and its postings are for general informational purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, medical direction, medical oversight, or medical advice. No doctor-patient or doctor-healthcare provider relationship is formed. This podcast and advanced cardiac resuscitation are not a substitute for any local, state, or federal policies, protocols, or treatment guidelines. The views and opinions of the hosts and the guests of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view or policy of advanced cardiac resuscitation, its officers, members, or member agencies. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by advanced cardiac resuscitation. Thank you for listening to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast.